Alex Carell is one of over 70,000 Google Career Certificate graduates. The Google Career Certificate program completely changed the trajectory of my life. I've always been interested in computers, but I never thought I could turn this into a career. Anytime I got a little break, I just pop open the course on my phone. That allowed me to have that path into a career that I'm passionate about. Train online for in-demand jobs in IT, UX design, data analytics, project management, and more. Visit grow.google/certificates. This episode is brought to you by the NHL on TNT. When it comes to hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs are built different. Experience the intensity and insanity on the ice and off it. Starting May 5th on TNT and TBS. Get ready for seven game rounds of knockdowns, dragouts, pressure and agony as teams go head to head without ever letting up. The Stanley Cup playoffs are known for more than just a few cracked ribs and black eyes. Pushing through pain is the name of the game. With so much edge of your seat action, you'll refuse to shave or change your sweater. Don't say we didn't warn you. Ready to feel the rush? Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs beginning May 5th on TNT and TBS. Unmatch the Hatch Nation. Oh, nice work, Cliff. Well, welcome to Unmatch the Hatch Podcast, where we have discussions on fly fishing, hunting, and the great outdoors with our hosts, Landon, Zach, Ian, and Cliff. You can find our website at honeyholeangling.com. Our email is honeyholeangling at gmail.com. And our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Instagram can be found at honeyholeangling. Please leave us a review, a review if you enjoy our podcast. And it really helps us out if you guys actually write, run, write one out thinking about doing a written review giveaway and so what i we have those kits from kevin we did the instagram giveaway and what i was thinking is the first 10 people to give us a written review we will randomly draw one of those people as a winner and give them another one of kevin's giveaway kits yeah so write us a review once we hit 10 we'll take all the 10 people Put your names in a hat, we'll draw, and we'll send uh, you guys a package. I'll also give one person a high five. Oh. Does it have to be, <laughs> yeah. a, be, second does place. It have to be a positive review? That's my question. Like, if someone leaves us one star, does that enter them into the contest? Sure. We're going We're going to be open and honest about all things, so even if it's a negative, we'll, yeah. we'll still... We're just, we still just but if it's review. a negative and you win, we would hope that you would upgrade us to at least a two star review. Man, I gave this podcast a one star, and I won a competition, and now it's two. So, today our main topic is going to be my gar fishing trip, um, which was pretty awesome. But, you know, to start us off, we're going to go through all of our main segments and interesting stories from the week. But I know, Cliff, you recently went on a trip. I did. I'm on the tail end of a family vacation where I went to uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama with family. Did a lot of uh, free diving and snorkeling and stuff. Got stung by jellyfish, so I hear. Did you really? Whoa, whoa, you did? Yeah. Talk about burying the lead. So so I, I started kind of tinkering with free diving and trying to learn, like, spear fishing techniques although i'm doing it not with the spear so right now it's just free diving and snorkeling more so um 
and I was taking a bunch of pictures of jellyfish and other marine life with a GoPro, and it was covered up with jellies everywhere. So, like, no matter where I turned, there was another jelly, another jelly. And one came up. I actually got stung once, kind of, like, right underneath the armpit. Ooh, sensitive spot. And then another time in my leg pit area, like, behind the kneecap. (laughs) You got stung in both pits? Yeah, I did. Every pit. Mm -hmm. It, It hurt. What's the appropriate remedy? I've heard some things... Honestly, <laughs> peeing on it is not the one. It's not the one. Yeah, are you supposed it's to It's not. Pee on it? That's all I've ever I heard. Think, that's a, that's think, a wives' tale. Is it? I think the warmth and the <laughs> salt level <laughs> of oh urine probably soothes the pain, but it's not going to make it go away if you just wait. Like these, they weren't like man of war jellyfish or anything like that. It's your, tip, it's your typical like Gulf jelly. So, like, that's it pretty. Stings. That's a scientific description. Yeah. Is that the yeah. Latin? Yeah, that's the Latin. <laughs> the You're run of the mill Gulf Shores, Southern Alabama it, jellyfish. Is it hurts. Trying to say. It hurts for like a maximum of like 24 hours, and then mm-hmm. it just magically goes away. Mm. So it wasn't even like that bad. But the even more interesting topic of this trip was I, and this might ruffle Ian's feathers a little bit. <laughs> um, so I drove there from San Antonio to Gulf Shores, which really has on Orange Beach, which is just the other side of Gulf Shores, and is about a 12-and-a-half-hour drive one way. So I left Alabama yesterday at 4.30 in the morning and got back to San Antonio right before 5. Mm-hmm. On my drive back, I'm not even home yet. I was around the Seguin area, I believe, and one of my buddies calls me, and he's like, hey, Cliff, where, where, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm currently driving back. What's up? He said, whereabouts are you? I said, currently kind of just outside Seguin, headed into San Antonio. He's like, all right, cool. I need a favor. I'm like, what's up? He's like, actually, I just need your help. I said, all right, what's up? He's like, I'm down here at the ranch, and I got my truck stuck. He's like, I had the girls in the back of the truck. His, oh, his, no. little, his little girls were in the backseat of the truck kind of carrying on like kids do. And so mm-hmm. he's kind of having to correct them, and he wasn't watching tire placement. And so he drove, like, right between some, uh, like, a wet, ruddy ruddy area nice and got his full-size ford pickup with four-wheel drive stuck in it nice america's truck so he calls the guy with the gmc mid-size truck to come pull him out Mm -hmm. so i'm like yeah i'll be down there i'm not sure what time i'll be down there but i'll be down there tonight to help you so i get home i unload everything from the truck and then Load up what I need, head down to the ranch, and uh, pull his truck out. And then we're just kind of hanging out for a minute. And he's like, so uh, since you helped me do that, you want to try and shoot a hog tonight? Oh, my God, <laughs> dude, what? And I'm like. I've been up since 4.30 in the four, morning. I've been up since 4.30 in the morning. I've just driven 13 and a half hours, once you include the trip down to Catula. And... Uh, 
why the heck not? So he gives me his uh, firearm to shoot because I didn't take one down. Mm-hmm. And uh, go out, sit in a stand. I didn't stay too long because I was up there and I was just watching the feeder for a while. And all I saw about six raccoons around the feeder, but not no hog ended no up shooters. coming out. Have you eaten raccoon yet? I am not going to disclose information about dietary preferences. Dude, back yes, in the of course he probably. Um, <laughs> yeah. I hear they're actually pretty good if you if you if you eat a wild one. What? Not you don't want like a trash diving raccoon, <laughs> but like if you eat one like out in the wild, actually I've heard it's really good. So like you want like a wood raccoon yeah that's eating like Wait, off nature not eating off like you discarded a, shake shack burgers you want a left free range raccoon <laughs> a free landon r- is saying that you don't want to shoot a raccoon like behind a walmart and take it home and eat it right. <laughs> <in the wild>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right so i'm up in the stand for about an hour and a half My God. didn't see anything climb down and by this time it's about 11 o'clock at night and i'm like all right i'm, I'm tired so I drive back to the cabin, give him his firearm, kind of give him the rundown of what I saw. I'm like, it is what it is. We're going to be down there in two weeks anyway. So I wasn't like hard on to get one. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm tired. I'm going to head back up. It's an hour and a half drive back from the ranch to here. So once I get home, it's going to be 13 and a half, 14 and a half, 15 hours on the road drive time. Nice. In one day. And, uh. On the way back, I find two cows. I didn't tell y'all that earlier. Two cows were out of the fence, so I actually drove around trying to look for where what ranch these cows came mm-hmm. from, and I couldn't find like a ranch house or anything anywhere to alert. I tried to call game wardens to tell them. Try to call the sheriff's department of Pearsall area. No one answered, and I was Man, like, "Man, what a good stand-up citizen trying to help a farmer out." I was like, "Well, I mean, were, were they tagged on the ear, or were they branded? They were branded. They, they were branded. Yeah, they right. didn't have They're tagged. branded. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what happened to it. I tried, but at some point of like not knowing what to do after trying to call, no, you game call, wardens. call the sheriff's office, call the game wardens, do what you can do. You know, cows get off get get out fairly often. Yeah. So you know, those guys. If you have people that have cattle, they, it's you know not uncommon, and they they know what they're doing. Well, I mean, it's an easy fifteen hundred dollars sitting there on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want that just to something to happen. Yeah. But anyway, your drive story reminds me of our story, Zach, of when we slept in Española. Oh yeah. And. Uh, we found out later, found out that we probably should not have slept in Española. Not in the Walmart parking lot, at least. Yeah. So, me and Zach went to New Mexico, and we left at, like, 5 p.m. after work, and we're just like, we're just going to drive through the night until we get tired. So, we worked all day. We left. We made it to Española, New Mexico. We were about probably only, like, three hours away from our final destination. Yeah. But we were exhausted. Yeah, and the last three were through, like, Small roads and woods and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It would have been hard. Sketchy New Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) we get to Española and we're like, we'll just sleep in our car. Right. But we also have to use the restroom. We fill up with gas and then the guy wouldn't 
let us use the no, restroom. No, because he had just cleaned it. It's a 24-hour gas station. He's like, I just cleaned this. I know you can't use it. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's yeah, 3 a.m. It's 3 a.m. I had a Whataburger Denami using the restroom on my way back. Well, the COVID, that's my place of employment isn't allowing people to use the restroom. I had to go real bad. Mm-hmm. It was... Was it okay. like the pickle where you ate the pickle? It, Moving it was on. almost like that. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Oh um, and so me and Zach, you know, we had to find a place to use the restroom. We slept in the Walmart parking lot of Espanol, New Mexico. Come to find out the next day when we told some people that lived in New Mexico where we slept, they're like, we are surprised you're still alive. <laughs> you should not have slept there. You should not have slept there. I have a story kind of similar to that when before, right before I moved to uh, – Texas. I drove out here. One of my buddies was getting married. He was in the uh, Air Force and stationed at San Angelo. So I drove his truck from Atlanta to San Angelo. And his truck broke down on me in Bessemer, Alabama. Luckily, it's only about three hours away from like where, not even three hours, it's probably about an hour and a half away from where like my dad lives. Mm -hmm. So I called my dad to come like help me out because I'm I'm stranded, and Bessemer, Alabama is the road, the interstate kind of skirts down around uh, Birmingham, mm-hmm. and right below it is Bessemer, and I had to sleep in a creepy Shell Station parking lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna go too into the story, but yeah, it was, it was freaky. Yeah, the Espanola parking, the Walmart parking lot there was. Yeah, it was definitely interesting. I wouldn't recommend. Well, sleeping in the car. Did was, anything happen? Like no, we, no, yeah. no. But I think Espanola. What they were saying is like considered to be was it a meth like area. a drug capital of the world. world for like either meth or heroin? I can't remember which one. Why not both? Why not both? Yeah, dream, dream big. <laughs> but um, yeah, and there was like a lot of like it seemed like a lot of other people sleeping in the parking lot too. Um, yeah. Like in, in their, their cars, cars or in their, in their like tent? No, in no, their, in their, in their cars. cars. Yeah. No, like yeah. behind the dumpster, man. Like <laughs> yeah. with the rest. There's and, a lot of yeah. other people yeah. sleeping in the car. <laughs> man, it was tough sleeping in their car, though. Yeah. We had so much stuff in it that the seats didn't go that far back. Yeah. And yeah, then. It's kind of like the last ditch effort of yeah. like, I don't want to pay for a hotel, but I'm also extremely tired. Right. So we got like five hours of sleep. I don't even think we got that many. We got like three. Yeah. And then we drove and then we did like a 13 mile round trip hike. Yeah. And then we came back and slept for like twelve hours. Twelve hours, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I went to see. I went to the drive-in again last night. Me and McKenna did. <laughs> yeah, I saw the poll today on Instagram. Uh huh. Did it blow over? It did not. No. Dang it. No, it so did. Better it did. chance, better time. But we did see Jurassic Park again. So we got to see the whole movie. Such a good movie. Such a good outdoors movie. Wait, did you, you saw the first one again? Like you just went for round two? Yeah, I went for round two because the last time I only got like 20 minutes into the movie. So before the screen blew over. So you we're know like, what we should do? We should start a like a drive-in movie theater with like special effects. So when we screen Jurassic Park, we get a bunch of people dressed up like dinosaurs to scare everyone. <laughs> that, would be, all, that would be run through so all the cars. awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah, and like, you know... Like the mummy have a bunch of with Brendan Fraser, like that'd be cool. It's a bunch of mummies running yeah. around, or a you, bunch of Brendan Fraser's. You, you know what I heard? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <okay. laughs> you know what a bunch I did? Of Brendan Fraser looks like <laughs> running around. 
You know what I did forget to do, though? I forgot to poll on Instagram today questions for the podcast. It worked because we're shooting on a Sunday and we normally do it on a Wednesday. Yeah, that's okay. So, no no questions to answer this week. No, there'll be a couple next week, though. Yeah, we'll have I some got, next I week. I got a few questions, but. What's a question? Ask a question, bro. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I do have an uh, Instagram poll I want you to do, but I want to. I don't want to disclose it on the podcast. Yeah. I want to ask it. Wait, and we'll, we'll yeah. release it on Wednesday. Mm. That sounds good. On a new, on a new segment. What's a new segment? That's that's what I want to oh, talk to y'all about. Wait, okay. I want to keep this, mm. play this one close to the vest and see what Landon and y'all have to say. See how it goes. We'll talk about it after. We'll, we'll throw that little tease out there. I like it. I'm going to actually, let me see, because I don't think I did all the questions from last week. Uh, I'm going to see if I can pull them up, but it's not, there it is. Did we get any Bigfoot recipes? That's what I'm wondering. No, no Traeger won't respond back. That's right, because you found the email. Yeah. They won't, they, they don't want. Did that. you try Green Mountain? Ain't no one responding back for Bigfoot recipes. They all think it's a joke, which I mean. <laughs> it is, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Rightfully so. Until we find one, man. Then it's not a joke. People It's true. It's only a joke till it's real. Anyways, that's pretty. Oh, this is the question. I, I okay. I found the question from last week that we didn't answer, um, and I really liked it because I think I think actually all of us have worked in an outdoor shop. So it says pros and cons from working in an outdoor shop. I've, I've actually worked for multiple. I've basically only worked in outdoor shops yeah. for my career, varying types. Zach, you worked for Gander Mountain, didn't you? I did. So. Yeah. So no longer in business. So. Cliff has worked for an outdoor shop that we won't mention. Just you've worked for one. Have you worked for any others? No, I can't say that I have. Okay. And then, Ian, you worked for REI, didn't you? I worked for REI, yeah, for about 16 months, 18 months, year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So, Shout Ian, out, um, Ian yeah. we'll, we'll start with you. Pros and cons of working for an outdoor stop such as REI? The pros, I worked for REI going back eight or nine years. Um, awesome company. Awesome. They treat their employees great. They gave us, like, if you're part-time, you get health insurance. Uh, REI really, this is a shout-out to REI. They really <laughs> do live, like, the mission. Like, they really just take care of their employees. When I worked there, at least they did. Well, and, and, and I will uh, say every, happy employees means better customer service. Yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah. Like, they really took care of us, and they were all super cool, and they all did a lot of outdoor activities. Can someone I was doing a lot of camping. in the uh, REI store in San Antonio? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I was doing a lot of camping and backpacking and things like that. I wasn't really a hunter or fisherman back then. Um, cons, um, uh, you know, normal retail blues. But the biggest one, I think, for the outdoor industry is when someone's kind of asking for advice on where to go. Uh, The most prevalent one we would get is, like, people not wearing proper clothing or sleeping bags. Like, you know, they're they're living in, like, Texas, and they're like, oh, you know, I'm going to an area that's going to be negative five at night. You know, we're going to be camping, you know, in a really cold environment. Like, a 30-degree sleeping bag will be fine. And we're like, um, no, like you need a sub zero bag or you need a double bag. And they're like, no, 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 I can handle it. Yeah. Well, and and, and they'll come back and they'll try and like return it. Like, just 
thing is faulty. And I was like, dude, I remember this conversation. Yeah. The, the thing about sleeping bags is like the rating is a survival rating. Correct. It's not a, it's I'm going to be comfortable. I'll be comfortable down to 30 degrees. No. It means that, you know, you can survive the night at 30 degrees. But if you want to be comfortable, you need to go. And those below. ratings are also kind of subjective. Correct. In my mind. Because, like, I sleep. I sleep better when I'm cold. Like, I prefer to sleep cold. Mm -hmm. I'm the same way. So, I can get away with, like, a if it's low temperature outside in a 30-degree bag just fine without having to put, like, an insert slip or anything or doubling up. I can be fine. But if it's hot, then I'm going, like... I'm not even in a bag. I'm just laying on top of it, mm -hmm. miserable. Yeah. Another one would be, I did soft goods, which is like clothing and uh, footwear. So I sold a ton of boots. Big one, people buying really nice boots, really crappy socks. That mm. used to happen all the time. Oh, they wouldn't yeah. buy wool yeah. or a polypropylene yeah. socks. They'd be like, oh, I've got socks. These boots are waterproof. I'm going to wear cotton. And it was like, no. Yeah. So we got to a point where we just hand them wool socks. And we're like, if, socks are almost more important depending on where you're going for yeah. warmth. Yeah. I would yeah. say across the board, no matter what you're doing outdoors, merino wool socks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I'll, let me give my gripe about REI, Ian, and maybe you sure. can explain this. My gripe about REI is that every time I go in, I get asked if I want to join the co-op, even though I'm already a member. Yeah. And um, I think they, that's really you, annoying as a really? customer. See, yeah, that doesn't bother me that much, like at all. It's like going to Bass Pro Shop and ask if you would like yeah, to apply for a credit card. Credit card does make me mad, but the co-op doesn't because it's 20 bucks for life versus like – interest rates and a, credit, and, a new and credit them, card and all that stuff. And them asking you, I mean, how are they supposed to know if you're a member or not? Right. Oh, they're not, but I know that in, f from reading um, you know, past employees gripes about REI is that and maybe Ian, you can speak into this that employees have to get so many co-op signups per, you know, shift or something like that and they come off as like, it can come off as uh, when you're in REI and you get asked three times why you're there, if you would like to join the co-op, maybe they recognize me because man, they I haven't. They don't ask me. I haven't either. been they asked ask in years. What's What's your opinion, Ian? On what do you have to say? Yeah, on that? so um, it is competitive. So our store, um, you know, obviously we want every, or wanted everyone. I don't work there anymore to join. So there is pressure. So mm -hmm. you're supposed to get between when I was there two to three. We'll sell two to three memberships and they you get rewards which is mainly just working more hours or you know i think i hit like <laughs> I think I hit, no no you get the, oh dude the discount policy oh yeah it was amazing. but they did have like incentives if i remember given this was like almost 10 years ago yeah. but they i want to say i did like eight in a day one time and you no know, you get more hours but you would get like it was incentivized and so Yes, that well, is, you, it you is know, a you're a salesperson, right? Like yeah. your job is to sell the co-op. And, yeah. Um, but and it, to, it, your, to your point, we never had a system of like, unless you were a regular, which we had a bunch of regulars. I knew a bunch of people by name, you know, and it's yeah. like, you know. Yeah. I think that's why they don't ask me anymore because, I mean, I haven't, with COVID, it's been different. But, I mean, I was going in there maybe once a week or so. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes I'm not even to buy anything. Just to go in, but 
to their credit, man, they give you 10% back on all, or at least. Yeah, I'm right. it's a good deal. Language. It is a good deal. I'm, it's a good deal. This is 2012, so they would give you 10% back on all full-price items. And, like, and they would email you first if you were going to, like, the garage sales. I don't know what it's like now because they've changed a lot. But back then, that's how it was. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I Zach. you're alone in that. And well, I don't know. It's just like you get asked three times. I'm like, Ugh. I think it's because like coming from like Gander where it was you had to sell so many um, credit cards and protection plans, which the protection plan was its own thing. But like that felt more invasive than some than like the REI co-op. Yeah, because you know at mean? least the co-op is like. 20 bucks, you're done with it, you're in and out. It's not like it's going to potentially put you into any debt or financial anything. issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody needs my social. Like, mm-hmm. like you, every time you walk into an academy, it's like, oh, would you like to say 15% or right. $15 off your $16 purchase today by See, applying to it? I've never been asked at academy, but Bass Pro Shop, I get asked religiously. And one time, I told the guy Bass Pro, oh, I've already got a Bass Pro card. Total lie. And he's like, well, you can sign up for another one. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I just get annoyed. Like, I want to put a caveat on that because it sounds like we're beating up these companies. It's not just Academy. It's not just Bass Pro yeah. Shop. I still all shop of, at Academy. All I, of them tend to do it now, and oh, it's yeah. complete and utter stupidity. Yeah. Yeah, they all do it. Yeah. Well, I, REI, I, man, it would, it would pay for itself in the first year if you yeah. spent more than or 200 bucks. Yeah. which given the things we were selling, that was like one trip. So. Oh, yeah, I've made my money on oh, it with so REI. So have I. Yeah. I, uh, and I worked for Best Buy. My my first retail job was for Best Buy, and we had to sell so many credit cards to ship. And I was like, I told myself I'd never work for a company again where I had to sell Credit cards. cards. No. Yeah. No, but we, I work for a company that has a credit card. But you don't push it. But we are not required to sell a certain amount per shift. It's an option if people want it. Maybe only two times ever have I ever recommended it because it's like 15% off your whole purchase if you sign right. up for And people are, you know, if someone's like making a big purchase, like what kind of discounts do you have? And they're really being pushy about discounts, then I'll throw it out there. But we we're not required to sell to the credit. Them. Yeah, to sell. That's it. nice. Yeah. So we've we've kind of been ratting on the negatives, mainly around credit cards and asking people to sign up. But what are some of, uh, uh, what are some perks of working for an outdoor shop? Oh, the discounts for sure. Yeah, discounts. And you're surrounded by people who generally have similar interests. An interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say some of your clients. That to me, the it's a positive and a negative. Your clients are your customers that come in. The ones who actually know what they're talking about and are are actively seeking information, information and taking it to heart of your expertise and you helping them, and it's a good conversation back and forth, I enjoy. Mm-hmm. But then you also have those customers who come in and they act like they know everything and they – it's like almost they're quizzing you to see how much you know, yeah. and they're just being pompous and arrogant in of themselves. Mm-hmm. For sure, those people is yeah. Is that's really what it's really rewarding to like help someone. They're asking you help them through the whole process. They're trying to learn, but then yeah, I've had people that are like they're like testing you to make sure that to see how much you know. I mean, to yeah. put it into perspective, our whole friend group that we consistently hang out with. 
in this whole entire podcast is based off of our interactions at one store. Mm-hmm. And right. that's how we all became friends. I'll, I'll say that too, on that end, like there's a lot of fly shops where it's the other way around. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've been to several small fly shops where I oh, yeah. felt grilled and like, dude, like if I'm paying you money, it shouldn't matter how much knowledge I, I have. Know, I like, have, you know what I mean? Like I 100% agree. Yeah. There's a fly shop in Georgia that I used to frequent when I was just starting out. And then when I moved back or when I moved here and would go back home, I would still go up there and like check it out, see how things were. But the entire uh, staff had changed. And they made it to the point of where, like, I didn't want to be in there. I didn't feel welcomed in there anymore. Mm. And I have stopped going. And it was out of my way to go to this place. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm just going to, like, my dad's house, mm-hmm. completely out of the way to go here. And I would go in there. I would spend money. Right. And they just made it completely uncomfortable. Yeah. I would say in my situation, I'd say maybe more so than everyone else. I've been in, you know, in my role in working, you know, I've worked my way up through retail into management. In my role right now, I, you know, teach people how to fish, and that's very rewarding. And in many cases, I help people catch their first fish on the fly. So I get to experience that with them. And then also, in a lot of cases, in some cases, you know, I do, I get to take customers on trips. And, you know, they get to have an experience that they're going to remember for the rest of their life, and I get to be a part of that. So that's a really rewarding part for me right now. The bad thing about working in the outdoor shop is, like, it's typical retail, and hours aren't fun. And, um, you know, sometimes you get people that you don't necessarily want to help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. People can be really rude. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I used to tell you, like, hey, well, you know, it's fun to sell fun to people, but at the same time, people can still be rude about it. Yeah. Yeah, you, we're in, yeah, exactly. We're a store that sells fun. Right. But but people are still rude people about it. Are, people can still be rude. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the discounts are really nice. Yeah. Usually, you're going to get a very nice discount when you work at a, when you work at a retail store, and uh, an outdoor retail store, and uh, that can help help you fund your hobbies. On the other side of that, you're not going to get rich working in an outdoor store. So you get the discounts, but you're not going to be raking in the dough. Right. And a lot um, of your money goes towards. Dude, I'm pretty sure I made no money in 2012. Like I did my money. <laughs> I was like, how did I even survive? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, I believe for every job. I believe the entire time that I worked at the one that I went into, I went into a net negative. I would agree. Oh, like you spent Did you more go into the red? Made. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it wasn't my sole job. Like, I had another job while Cliff, doing it. Cliff was a part-timer. And we had, at REI, man, we, the best thing about REI, their, their old vacation policy was, like, we had a guy take, like, eight months off who had worked there, like, four months. <laughs> and he came back. <laughs> Oh, and he was what? like, oh, yeah, like he did an eight-month trip. He didn't need the money. So, oh, that's but awesome. like they would let people take like these huge trips like around the world and still like technically work. Yeah. It. It oh, smaller. like if you wanted to do like a through hike, you yeah. could work there and yeah. do a through hike. And, and that was like, I don't know what REI is like now, but Sally Jewell was the CEO when I was there. 
and she became Secretary of the Interior under Obama, which was awesome. Like, going from head of REI to, like, head of all the national parks. But she, uh, she would, they would let, like, top-level people do that. Like, I'm a lowly retail guy, but they, they, they lived it. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. I'm preaching the gospel of REI, but they all lived what they said they did, which yeah. was really authentic. Yeah. yeah. And I would say before we, because we do need to move on, but the last thing I'll end on is that, you know, uh, if if you're someone who has a, a outdoor store that you frequent and you really like and you like someone that works there, you know, go there and talk to that person, <laughs> get to know that person. Because the, right. on the flip side, the retail employee really appreciates like seeing repeat customers, seeing people that they know, talking to people, getting to know people. And so, and you know, I met Ian by working in a retail store. Me, Ian would come in, we'd chat. We had a lot of the same interests. We started going fishing. Heck now we're doing a podcast together. So you never know like who you're going to meet. If you're that person, if you frequent the retail store, if you do their event, their common events, you know, some places have weekly or monthly events Go to those events, and that's also a good way to get a job in a retail store because my experience, we're more likely to hire people that we see frequently. You know, we know what they like to do um, before we are just going to hire some random person we've never met or seen before. So with that being said, we're going to move on to uh, Cliff's Conservation Corner. It's all right. We've kind of missed. No, no, no. We're, we're going to play. Which one was it? Myth. Wolves are dangerous to humans. Fact. <laughs> you have a better chance of being hit by a meteorite than eaten by a wolf. <laughs> Except if you wake up naked in the woods. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was the right one, but it's okay. Hey, we got a bunch of buttons. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm going to be point blank honest on it because i'm just coming off a of vacation and doing everything i didn't really prepare you know you're good <gasps> what Dang, we what play, we played the same sound segment and everything yeah yeah but so, i do i do have something I, I, i'm not coming in and saying <laughs> yeah there's no conservation we're taking uh Resumes for Cliff's replacement, you can submit them to, anyway. Zip Recruiter. <laughs> Zip Recruiter. Yeah, recruiting at honeyholeangling.com. Please see HR at honeyholeangling. Yeah. But, no, I, I have something for us. I just, I'm going to introduce a couple of things, and then I'm going to study up on it, and then we can do a deep dive next week is my idea. On okay. It. I like that idea. Great. Sounds awesome. All right. So, first off. I want to go back to Great American Outdoors Act once again and show a real-life example of how the uh, Land and Water Conservation Fund is being used around the country. Mm-hmm. So this past week, again, in Gulf Shores, Alabama, I took up uh, snorkeling and free diving, and I didn't want to pay out the nose for a guided trip and all this other stuff, especially like just kind of getting into it and get my feet wet, so mm-hmm. to speak, pardon the pun. Um, so I did some research. I went around. I asked local dive shops and all these other people who I had met who were into diving and all this other stuff, places that I could go. And one of the places that they told me was the Alabama reef system that 
was recently created. And what they did was they put a bunch of pylons in the middle of the Gulf Coast along Alabama. And uh, it's creating a man-made artificial reef. And that reef has been entirely funded by the land. I don't know if it's entirely funded by the Land and Water Conservation because it did say that BP paid a little bit into it. But BP also pays into, I mean, that's how the Land and Water Conservation Fund is funded. Yeah, because they're paying an excise tax into that fund. Correct. But it was a tune of $590,000 to put these pylons wow. into the ocean to create a man-made reef system that now anyone, and it's not far off the coast. Like, you can swim 100 yards, and there it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually seems pretty low considering how much things cost. You know what I mean? Like, half, yeah. a, don't get me wrong, half a million dollars is a lot of money. I mean, you think about it, though, it's big concrete blocks. Right, but, like, I mean, yeah. like, how, like, if you had said, like, that costs, like, 30000000 million, I'd be like, yeah, it costs $30 million. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, saying it costs half a million is kind of like, whoa. Well, that's just the number that I saw on Alabama Outdoors' that's website. True. So, I mean, I don't know if it's, like, this year they've played – paid that much mm-hmm. into gotcha. it. Gotcha, or like over the course of it. Or, right, or if they're even done 100% creating it, but you can go ahead and go start swimming around it and seeing wildlife adapt into these pylons yeah. and stuff to create the reef system that is there for anyone to go out and use. That's cool. And is readily available. Yeah. So that, to me, seeing that and us talking about the Great American Outdoors Act, it was kind of cool to see something firsthand of me getting into something new, not knowing anything about it, being pointed into this area, and then finding out that it's being funded by the Great American Outdoors Act, which makes the Land and Water Conservation Act fully fund these outdoor and natural areas for people to use. So to me, that was kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Um, But on to true conservation... um, and bringing it back home, uh, Port Aransas Conservancy uh, is a organization based out of Port Aransas, Texas. And they have, uh, it's become a big stink across San Antonio and the Rio Grande Valley and probably really across Texas. But apparently they're wanting to dredge kind of like one of the cuts uh, through like Aransas Pass area to... They're wanting to dredge it from the current level of it sits at about 45 feet deep. They're wanting to dredge it to at least 75 so that big oil tankers and stuff can come in. Without uh, hitting the bottom. Without hitting the bottom. They want bigger tankers to come in. They want bigger tankers to come in. And it's going to be an area for them to load oil onto tanker ships. And they're wanting to place a refinery kind of system right there at Mm -hmm. it. Now, this where they're wanting to do this is in those bay areas that we actually fish. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So the issue with it... It's like where all those flats are and stuff. Correct. Yeah. Like the deep channels, but then the edges are the flats. They want yeah. to dredge that up. Well, so, dredging is, is is its own issue in... Correct. So there's two things on this that I find very, very disturbing or problematic with it. A, dredging up all that is going to create sur- the silt and uh, natural sedimentation that's occurring to 
flare up because anytime you're moving dirt, think about it. You go to the beach or you're in the river and you just move your hand lightly across the dirt and all that dirt, it makes a big cloud. Right. So them dredging up 30 feet at least of silt and dirt and putting all a lot this of stuff, stuff in the water. And what it's going to do is it's going to come up and of course the tide's going to push it all into that bay area where all this natural grass and sea seagrass and right. all this lives. All flats and channels are. Mm-hmm. And it's going to cover it up and block out. It's going to create like a shade so that the true sun can't get into it, which is going to stop the photosynthesis process, killing off the seagrass and causing red tide, which nobody likes. Right. It's always been an issue along the Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. It's always been an issue along the Florida coast of where they've done stuff like that. Look at Mosquito Lagoon and all the issues that they had a couple years ago. It's going to cause that issue in Port Aransas, Texas. So not only would we end up losing that seagrass in the flats area, that's also the breeding ground and habitat for fish, shrimp, uh, crabs, crabs oysters, and all these other yeah. things that come from the Gulf through this channel into the that bay area and the flats area, and they're no longer going to have an area to rest from being out in the ocean and being chased down and eaten all the time. Right. And it's not going to give them an area to reproduce and spawn like they need to. Mm-hmm. So it's going to cause a big issue on that. Now, also take in the consideration that it is going to be mainly for oil, which I get. Texas is a big oil state. We do need to protect that if we want to continue to be the powerhouse economy that we are for the country in energy resources. But to take away the natural resource, which we can never bring back, Mm -hmm. once it's gone, it's gone. We can't create more land. We can't create more wild spaces. We can't create more waterways and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. That's just gone, which means that these areas are priceless. Mm -hmm. So the perceived benefit of it being an economic benefit is very short-sighted to me. It is. It's also you're losing the economic benefit if it kills the fishing you're right, using millions gone. of dollars to guides, outfitters, things like that to operate out of Port A. Um, so I, I I think there's there's other ways to do this other than this. Also, I you know, oil spill well, potential correct, which with is these what big I was tankers. going to go into it being a oil industry area that they're trying to do this for is for the oil industry. There's always a potential for a spill. Mm-hmm. Where is that spill going to go if it happens? It's already in the bay. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to cover the bay even more. There's wild migratory birds that nest there. Again, shrimp, fish, oysters, crabs, all gone at that point. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, you can get on Port Aransas Conservancy website right now and go ahead and sign a pledge. They also have a really cool video that I would suggest watching mm-hmm. on it. Um, that kind of goes into it a little bit deeper. But, yeah, Texas, especially the Rio Grande Valley areas and uh, San Antonio specifically and along the coast, keep an eye out on mm-hmm. this because if it's going to happen here, who knows where it's going to stop because yeah. we're still fighting the battle of pebble beach or pebble beach uh the pebble mind and all that up in mm-hmm. bristol bay it, this this doesn't stop ever it seems like so it's going to be a fight so we just can't give up 
So I would say go to portofransasconservancy.com, sign the petition. It's a change.org petition. It just needs your email address, your name, that type stuff. And you, you get placed on a petition for it. They'll send you a little email. Uh, there's an option to donate money for it, and you can donate in as little as $2 up to however much you want to spend. Yeah. Um, I would highly suggest anyone who is in the fishing or even just into the natural world around us, go and check it out. I'm not telling people what to do. I, To me, it just seems short-sighted to do it for a perceived economic benefit on the short term when these areas can't be remade yeah, whatsoever. For yeah. sure. We'll think it, we'll think on that and then we'll come back to it next week. And if you guys see like the protect poor day hashtag or like the protect poor day stickers, that's what all that's what all that's about. And if you're maybe not a fisherman and you're a hunter, uh, yeah, there's, duck hunting. there's duck blinds all through that yeah. area too. Think but, about it. Those migratory birds are not going to have a yeah. place to rest. Whooping cranes. Um, they're like Rockport poor day area. Yeah. So cool. All right. Uh, do we do my segment next or your segment, Zach? I know we save Ian's for last. I don't know. We'll I do think, mine next. I think normally we actually do his first and then me. Yeah, but it's cool. No, yeah, whatever. We'll we'll do me next. <laughs> we'll mix it up. Keep the I listener feel like on I'm their toes. Real Joie de vivre to law enforcement. For example, uh, my uniform. I do not wear the regulation uniform. I wear these uh, shorts here. And I actually had to lobby the sheriff's department to get permission to wear these. But my argument was, hey, I'm out there in the streets every day. I got to be able to move like a cheetah, like a law enforcement cheetah. Okay, so um, I've been doing private casting lessons um, at this really cool spot um, near Hill Country Village. You guys know where that is mm-hmm. in San Antonio? I think so. Yeah, it's like a really, really high-end, probably one of the highest-end neighborhoods in San Antonio. But I have a really good spot to do some practice casting there. Well, I've met with two people and done lessons, and they've both confirmed this story. And I was hoping to find an article about it, but I couldn't find anything. So I'm going to have to research some more. But um, basically the story is that a uh, someone shot a deer in Hill Country Village. It was a state record deer. And, I've heard this. And they were able to with like DNA evidence to determine that it actually did not come from the county that the guy shot it in and that he had shot it in Hill Country Village. and uh, But I can't find any articles, so uh, I'm going to do some more digging on that. But two people have told me that, and apparently the deer is on display at Hill Country Village. They actually, have the, they actually keep the mount there. Um, but in my research on that topic, I found a couple articles. I'll probably save some for next week. Because uh, I found three. So I'll probably do the long one today and then two others next week. But this one happened in 2005. It's a 36-point bullis buck. If you guys want to see the picture right there. Was it shot at Camp Bullis? It was. Saying? Yeah, I figured. Yeah, it was. And it's called the Bullis Buck because it was shot at Camp Bullis, which is a 2,800-acre Army training base located uh, in San Antonio. And uh, let me get into the article. So uh, it scored on Boone and Crockett. Uh, it had 36 scorable points, including two drop tines on a 6 by 6 main frame. It scored 265 and 1 8 inches. Um, 
And the most remarkable thing about this book is uh, the most remarkable for a huge non-typical is the rack symmetry. So for being a non-typical book, how symmetrical it was. Because in Boone and Crockett, a high scoring point is symmetry. Right. Um, and um, that, that was an impressive thing about this deer. Um, there's only five-eighths of an inch difference in the two sides, which is virtually unheard of in... In uh, atypical. Yeah, in atypical. Um, so, this story's kind of complicated, but on Saturday, November 6th, this is in 2005, uh, opening day of the state deer season in Camp Bullis, uh, it was a weekend for drills by military personnel. So, the way I understood this is that although it's opening deer season and military members can hunt the property given permission and also having a uh, hunting license since they were doing military drills it was closed to hunting that weekend this is this is just a crazy story so um around noon a helicopter crew member spotted what appeared to be a sick deer in a remote area of the base the deer had very large antlers gps coordinates were taken and forwarded to range control and they basically picked a couple of guys, two civilian employees, and a volunteer to go check it out. Um, they were able to find the deer. The men found the deer lying on the ground in a muddy, trampled area. There was something obviously wrong with the deer. It faltered and appeared disoriented. Two of the men approached the animal, and it stumbled into a stand of tall grass. The two men found the animal and approached it, clapping their hands. At about 15 feet of distance, the buck got to its feet, came forward to the noise, passing within touching distance of the men, then then staggered and finally stumbled into the grill guard of the pickup truck. The buck appeared to be blind. It walked beside the truck and collapsed. The men subdued the deer and stabbed it to death in the heart with a small red pocket knife with a four-inch blade. The men used a pocket knife because... Um, of the regulations with the training they couldn't disar they couldn't discharge a firearm because of the training going on at Camp Bullis. Gotcha. Um the deer was loaded in the truck and taken to base hunt headquarters where the deer was field dressed and put in cold storage and they basically opened it up. Anyone on camp could come and come see, and see it. because this was a record deer and a lot of military guys like to hunt, so they opened it up, everyone could go check it out. And they, uh, Boone and Crockett scored it unofficial. They actually had an official guy come out later and confirm it. Um, as it stands, the bullis buck is the third largest native white-tailed deer ever recorded in Texas and the largest wild white-tailed deer from the state in more than 100 years. It was in 2005? 2005. I think I see, I've seen that deer. So, like, the first time I ever hunted was on that property. Oh, really? Yeah, because my dad was in the military for 20, 21 years. Mm-hmm. And so... <clears throat> we had the opportunity to hunt that property growing up. Yeah, did you did you get anything? No. No. My dad never really hunted it as a kid. So, like, you have to put your name in. They draw so many spots uh, a weekend. And um, that's, like, that's your spot for the week. Like, mm -hmm. you can prep it all you want, and then the following weekend you go out. So, you know, we did the things. We went out and threw corn and that sort of stuff. But we didn't – he didn't know the process. There wasn't as much – I don't know, like, the internet was still... The internet. Yeah, it's hard to get into hunting. If right. You, yeah. yeah, exactly. If you didn't grow up doing it, it's really tough to do. So, um, yeah, there, we never had any luck, but... So, 
the they took the deer to a taxidermist, and he noted that as he removed the cape, he saw a large cyst or infection in the back of the bullet buck's skull. When he removed the skull from the deer, he said the infection was inside the skull. He also said that uh, the deer might have had a broken back because it had so much trouble walking. Um, Maybe it was early CWD. Yeah, he... Uh, but they th- basically think that the deer was blind. Um, and later That's on... That's sad, man. That's yeah, like a sad story. It's kind of yeah. cool. But it also gets more interesting because Texas Parks and Wildlife investigated it Um the legal taking of the deer because um, as complicated as the story already is, um, Texas Parks and Wildlife Department um, opened an investigation. Uh, the antlers were moved from Camp Bullis Locker to an evidence room at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio. Uh, Army officials sent tissue samples from the buck to Texas A&M University for analysis. The hide was taken um, and placed in federal custody. The deer's carcass, which was deteriorated, was discarded. State and federal wildlife uh, went into the field and took their own samples. Oh. Um, state game officials later declined to issue, issue any citations against the three civilians involved in taking of the Camp Bullis buck. Um there was a issue with licensing of the individuals. I don't think all of them had a hunting license. Mm-hmm. Um, they use an aircraft to locate the animal, um, and you, that's actually illegal. You can't use aircraft to locate deer. And they took the animal illegally by using a pocket knife. Yeah. It's not an authorized form of taking an animal. So basically, they got three strikes against them, Um now they never gave them any citations because I think it's such a unique story, right? With the animal being blind and they couldn't use a rifle because of potential training going on, and it was just a weird deal. So they never actually issued anything. But I just think the story is just all around crazy. Oh yeah. Well, they probably shouldn't have killed it because, like, I don't know. Well. I don't know. I mean, you could make the argument that if it had all these, it had all these issues. It's probably better for the it could, herd. It couldn't walk to leave, and it was blind. Right. No, I get that. But I mean, then at the same time, though, like there's laws for a reason. Like, uh, right. I'm not ru- saying how they dispatched it is right. I'm saying mm-hmm. the fact that they did. Right. But like, I mean, like there's rules that like if you are in a certain no kill trout stream and you accidentally kill a trout you still can't keep it with you, even though that's tech, probably the more ethical thing to do. You're supposed to release it or mm-hmm. let it go, even though it's dead. Which know? is a hard thing to do. You know, That's like a rule that I, no, I ethically have some I problems same with. Same here. Because if, you know, a fish is going to die, right. you, you know, might as well utilize you, it. Utilize right. it. might as well it. use it for something. But people would also abuse that, though, if that was rule. Oh, right. I oh, it got hooked it. Yeah, right. I got hooked it, so I'm going to keep it. Right. So... And I would imagine that a lot of people would. That's a bu- a rule that would be very easily sure. abused. Yeah, but I mean, you guys can go online and look at a picture. The it's crazy the how how big that buck is, and wa- truly wild. Right. You know, this wasn't like a protein fed high game fence yeah. buck. Um, I'll continue to investigate the um, find the, more information the story about the Hill Country Village oh, yeah, buck yeah. because I think that guy. Um, you know, he got like pretty heavy fines, and he had to 
like move out of Hill Country. Like they kicked him out of Hill Country oh, Village, really? and like it was this big lawsuit. Um, but I, I was just really surprised I couldn't find any info, any more information on that, other than like two stories from guys that I heard get I was given private lessons to, and they were they telling me the stories. Yeah. yeah, they both like told me the same story. I'm surprised there's not an article out there about it. But if you guys have any information on that, you can send them my way. Oh yeah. So. We will move on to Zach's segment, Creature Watch. Creature Watch. Okay, so this week I'm bringing to you the Wampus Cat. The Wampus Cat. I haven't heard heard of this. Yes. Yeah, so let's see. Is it pre-1995 or post? It is (laughs) pre-1995. I think that's our cutoff now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it fits within the last 25 years. It's not (laughs) not Creature Watch. The Wampus Cat. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, originally, the story started in Tennessee, but there have been sightings, and the same story's been told pretty much all throughout the South through Texas. Um, it is based on a Cherokee myth that a woman was watched, was spying on a spiritual ceremony, and uh, she covered herself with a mountain lion skin to, to watch the ceremony. Then the, um, the elders of the community found out that she did this and they turned her into a half cat half woman creature called the wampus cat like anamorphous like those books that we used to read yeah the kid. anamorphs yeah yeah i didn't read them i just flipped through the corners and like saw the people transform yeah it was like a, a like I mean, book fair like good party yeah <laughs> it was like the book fair you yeah. know you you see the books you never buy one but you're like oh that's kind of interesting right oh yeah because yeah. i always forgot my money on book fair day yeah it was the worst <laughs> Dude, book fair day. <laughs> it was the best day for the book worst day. Fair day. Right, I always ask my mom, be like, "Mom, the book fair is today," and she'd be like, "Well, I roll some quarters because I got nothing for you." So, <laughs> roll some quarters. Yeah, I'd get a couple of erasers and then maybe a nice pencil. And that was about and a it. poster of a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, dude, I missed the nineties. It was so good, yeah. man. Um, <laughs> So, there's some confusion about the wampus cat. Some people state that it has four legs, right? Mm-hmm. And some people state that it has six. So, the four from the mountain lion and then two from the woman. Um, they say that it's slightly larger than your average mountain lion and sometimes will walk on its hind legs like a person. Uh, in the 20s and 30s, newspapers were constantly talking about how the wampus cat was breaking into livestock and eating everything. Uh-huh. And um, they also say that maybe it's part reptile. I don't know. The, 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 it keeps changing left and right. Are there any sketchy uh, images of the wampus cat? There are not. So unlike previous creature watches, there are no photos or sketches is just what people think i mean like you can google wampus cat but it just looks like a bunch of cougars Mm. um let's see or there's also another story that a warrior was out trying to hunt for his family and while he was out there a beast uh scared him so badly that he went insane the wife was mad about this right i mean nobody wants her husband to go insane because of a creature so put a mountain lion skin on and went to scare the creature back out into the woods. So mm. she went out as a mountain lion, scared the beast. The beast ran away forever. and But when she did that, it also took her life. Just I guess it was like just so, so much scaring of the beast that it killed her. And then her spirit as the wampus cat lives on in the hill country. 
Wait, this is in the Hill Country. Well, I'm no, it's in Tennessee. Tennessee so through the oh, Hill Country. Okay. Okay. Yeah, all the statues that they've built of it has six legs. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, there's actually a a college or a high school in Texas that's like mascot is the wampus cat. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Dude, that's awesome. What's yours? A bird? What's yours? The wampus cat. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine them going up against uh, New Braunfels High School where the the unicorns? The unicorns. Yeah, the wampus cat versus unicorns. unicorns. The whole bunch of mythological creatures. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's all I got. I mean, Cliff, what did you hear about it? Uh, I just remember hearing about it. I don't know anything really about it. Uh, It is derivative of Cherokee folklore, mainly based in Tennessee. There's a few pictures and stuff that are kind of interesting to check out. If you just Google it, that's what no I'm like about. official recorded sightings. No, or, no. Most of it's like really bad taxidermy. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> it's like someone took a coyote. <laughs> wow, it's like real weird. And then there's this kind of like a anamorphs picture of a cat lady. Let me see. Looking Amazonian and all this other stuff. Interesting. This episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. Sometimes it's hard to decide what to watch, but Cox Contour TV helps make that decision easier. Enjoy live TV, on-demand programs, DVR recordings, and music all in one place. And only with the sound of your voice with the Contour voice remote. Plus, catch the golf and basketball action you've been waiting for on the Contour Sports app. Learn more at coxcox.com slash contour. This episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. Sometimes it's hard to decide what to watch, but Cox Contour TV helps make that decision easier. Enjoy live TV, on-demand programs, DVR recordings, and music all in one place. And only with the sound of your voice with the Contour voice remote. Plus, catch the golf and basketball action you've been waiting for on the Contour Sports app. Learn more at Cox, com slash contour. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's the the wampus cat. Still more believable than the chupacabra. Yes. Based on time frame. There's nobody at the state fair saying, come look at my wampus cat. That's all I'll end with. That's true. There's only Dude, people not saying. not yet. <laughs> it's been going around oh for Oh, my gosh. Oh, that, what is that? That's a coconut monkey. Yeah. It says Wampus Cat. Yeah, it's, that's not what it looks like. <laughs> that Any, is creepy. That's the thing of nightmares. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, it's going to keep me up. Cool. Well, thanks, Zach. We'll move on to Ian's. That's pretty neat. Neat things in nature. Yeah, what's up, guys? Um, <laughs> so uh, this is from the New York Times. This was published July 15th of this year. Scientists accidentally breed the fish version of a liger. Um, you guys know what a liger is? It's like a tiger and a lion. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I've heard of a liger. Hey, I want to go yeah. back to Zach's thing real quick. There's a book called Billy and the Wampus Cat. Look for that at your <laughs> next school book fair. Will you read it, Cliff, and report? Billy and the yeah, Wampus yeah. Cat? <laughs> Billy and the Wampus Cat. That's what this classic school fair needs now. Uh. It's by Conrad Reichert. There you go. We'll link it in the description on Amazon. <laughs> it does have an Amazon link on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll put it in the link, and you guys feel free to uh, click on that link. So and, we're starting uh, a book club now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry, Ian. Yeah, so tell us about this. Liger. No, you're yes. good, man. 
Now, um, so basically, these scientists in Hungary accidentally bred a Russian sturgeon and an American paddlefish into what they're calling a sturdlefish. I heard it. Um, I heard and it about was this. like complete. Yeah, it was like completely on accident. Um, an aquatic uh, e- or uh, ecologist Oops. at Nicholas State University in Louisiana said, "I did a double take when I saw it." I just didn't believe it. I thought the hybridization between sturgeon and paddlefish, there's no way. And if you guys have ever seen those two fish, they're drastically different. Yeah. Um, yeah, a little bit, but they kind of look, they're kind of similar. They're, yeah, they're not, they're not like super dissimilar. They're but both ancient they, fish. Right. Correct. Yeah. They're both like, as far as timeline, very old fish. Their anatomy and their physiology is, I think, from the article, pretty similar. Um, but they accidentally created like a new fish, um, on which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, Doctor Mozar, who I don't know what his role is, but he said we never wanted to play around with hybridization. It was totally, absolutely unintentional, um, and apparently it was used when they they had like an egg. If I'm reading this correctly, like an eggs mix up, like they were able to like fertilize. Uh, Surgeon eggs using paddlefish. Um, that is really interesting. Yeah, it's really if if you're interested in like you know fish life cycles and like you know just like detailed hybridization, it it actually is like kind of a miracle. Is there a picture so, of it? Yeah, absolutely. It looks insane. Here, I'll do send you think, it to you really do quick. Do you think that they can get caviar out of it? Because that's where they get caviar, right? Out of sturgeon, probably, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. But they created like a new fish, and then they had to name it. And what they call yeah, it? Yeah, they are both ancient. Uh, they call it a sturtle fish. Sturtle fish. It's like turtle with an S. They're not trying to sturtle. release it or anything, right? I, I didn't really say. Um, it was I in a. It, it looked like really it was bad. in a contained environment. I think they did it in like at a fish farm or like a lab or something. Yeah, put it up in an aquarium or something, but yeah, don't release that thing into... Yeah, um, here you go, Zach. It says, the Russian sturgeon whose eggs are used to make top-shelf caviar is a carnivore that um, eats crustaceans and smaller fish off the ocean floor. The American paddlefish is found in only 22 of the U.S. states. Is a filter feeder that strains zooplankton from the water. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, here we go. Yet somehow when sperm from an American paddlefish and eggs from a Russian sturgeon were combined in a lab, life found a way in a hybrid. <laughs> Who wrote this? Life found a way in a hybrid of the two species was born. <laughs> um, well, that reminds me. Park. Yeah, no, seriously, because I watched Jurassic Park last night and yeah. you know, they were like, oh, we only let females on the park, but yet they found eggs. Because life finds a way. Life, like evolution, life finds a way. It's and- just the internet has already nicknamed the hybrid the sturtle fish so i guess they pulled the that's awesome out, yeah ian send me a picture i'd like to see it this might be a good yep. s- segue into like our main topic in my gar fishing trip but yeah gar eggs are actually toxic and you can't eat them so really no caviar from alligator gar is that what you put in the gar balls that we ate just <laughs> wow just caviar <laughs> just caviar yeah just the, yeah just the gar eggs um, but about my gar fishing trip. So I'll set the scene for you guys. I got invited on my buddy's bachelor party. My buddy Evan, shout out to him. He's getting married. And, uh, we went, uh, they came to San Antonio. He actually lives up in Lubbock 
he was a college roommate, and they decided to come to San Antonio for the bachelor party. And so we hung out, did some fun things. But one thing we did, they booked a uh, alligator gar fishing trip at Choke Canyon State Park, which is about an hour and a half south of San Antonio, known for having a lot of alligator gar in the lake. And, uh, man, we had a great time. It was actually a bow fishing trip. Um, not something I normally would have done myself, but it wasn't my trip. So, uh, we went bow fishing and actually nobody got anything with a bow. We got, we caught the gar on conventional with bait. Um, going real deep. Going real deep. Yeah. yeah. The, the way the bow fishing was going to work, uh, is that the gar come up cause, uh, alligator gar and other gar species actually have an air bladder so they can breathe air. They can live in water that has really low oxygen levels because they can breathe air. And so they come up to gulp air and then they go back down. So the bow fishing is you're kind of going around with a trolling motor. And if you see one come up for air, you shoot at it basically. But they weren't really doing that while we were out there. Did you get, did you have any shots doing that? We had some shots at like spotted gar and some other like smaller gar, but it's really hard to shoot those small gar um, and then also the, the shooting the bows, um, with bow fishing is very in- instinctual shooting. There's no sights or anything on those bows. It's like snap shooting, you know? And so I would have felt better like after a day of shooting, um, getting a feel for it. And you also have like the water diffraction. So it really messes with that too. Yeah. So I, I would say like bow fishing is something that. The more you do it, the better you're going to be just because of the instinctual, you know, it's like shooting a recurve, right? you know. Um, yeah, there's less less target or less sights and everything. It's just more like this is what yeah, I feel like Yeah, every, every shot's quick. It's like red fishing on the fly. Right. You know, you have quick shots. So you see a fish, you got to pull, you got to draw back and let the arrow fly. Um, but, well, we didn't have any luck doing that. So, you know, we fished conventional uh, deep and we actually caught three um, one was about four foot and then, uh, another guy caught one that was about six foot and I caught one that was about seven foot. It's a good size. Yeah. So they were, a set, I mean, they were big, big fish. What's the record of a guard, of an alligator guard? Oh, over 200 pounds. Oh, okay. How much did, you, did yours weigh? We, I don't know how much mine weighed. 201. Um. That's <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think it's like 240 or something. If someone wants to look that up, they can fact check it. But I, it's definitely over 200 pounds. Um, mine probably weighed, based on talking to other people, like maybe around 90 pounds. Okay. Wow. So twice as big, at least. Yeah. Well, the, in they, I guess, you know, you can get them like 13, 14 foot long. I mean, that would be, but the girth really increases. Right. Like big time, so that's you get, where you get the weight. Yeah, you get like way heavier fish, and the females are larger, and the males are smaller. Just so that like smaller spotted. one, that smaller alligator car that was uh, four foot, uh, was probably a male, okay. and those two other ones are probably females. I will also mention that, um, you know, we we kept all of our fish, and we actually made gar balls tonight. We can talk about that too, but um, some people don't like to keep. The larger females, because, you know, they're your breeder fish. But, um, 
you know, it's not illegal to keep them or anything like that. So that's that's up to you. Most people say the males taste better. I don't know what we ate today out of that meat. I kind of packaged everything up and then divided it. I didn't keep track of, you know, what fish what steaks whoever. were or what. But I don't know if people just say that because, you know, they don't want to eat the big females right. or, um, you know. If there's any truth behind it. or Yeah, I, I don't know. I'd, ha- I'd have to taste them side by side. Right. It didn't seem like the guides had any quarrels with, you know, they didn't say that one was better than the other. Right. But they just said, dude, you know, when you clean them, make sure you cut off all the bloody parts of the meat and uh, don't eat the eggs. Don't eat the eggs. They're poisonous. Why are the eggs poisonous? I have no idea. Why does the sun come up during the morning? Arsenic. Arsenic. Dude, the sun rotates around the flat earth, bro. We have talked about this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a dome, you know. The, the, you know the whole dome theory, Cliff. You're the one who turned me on to it. Pretty sure someone just turns on the light switch. <laughs> it's daytime now. <laughs> um, but, man, it, it was a really good trip. We had a great time just hanging out. Um, you know, and maybe wasn't excite, as exciting as other types of fishing, except when we were hooked up. It was kind of chaos when we hooked up, though, because Logan, he's the one that caught about the four-footer. When I also hooked up with a bigger fish, we were both hooked up at the same time, and it was kind of chaos on the boat for How a come? while because those fish go wherever they want. Right. So are you following with the trolling motor, like trying to? No, we were anchored. Okay. And those fish basically go wherever they want, and we didn't want the fish to get intertangled. Oh yeah. yeah. And I actually had to like take my rod around the trolling motor two times. Oh um, really? To just kind of get. It- Make sure you guys didn't get wrapped up. Correct. I didn't want it to, like, cut the line on the trolling motor or anything like that. So, but, man, it was really fun. I would do it again. Yeah, for um, sure. And, I mean, the gar balls were good. We we came back with a lot of meat, um, but we split the meat between, like, nine people. So, you know, we each got a little bit of meat, but I might, if I were to do it again, maybe keep one fish. and Right. Yeah. Unless you're bow fishing, then you have to keep them. Right. You know. Yeah, you just don't put a bunch of holes in fish and yeah. let them go. Yeah. Find <laughs> <laughs> out the right thing to do. Yeah, no. Um, but I would like to try bow fishing again. But it's a catch and release stream. There's there's some people that are listening to this <laughs> that are probably told, like knowing me and saying that I would like to try bow fishing again are probably extremely disappointed. I want to try it. I don't care what people think. Yeah. I had a good time. Wait, how did you, like, fillet them? Like, okay. not to get too graphic. Yeah, I want to hear details. So, I actually, we posted a YouTube video last Friday, this past Friday, released a YouTube video of the trip, and at the end of the video, we actually show how they clean them. But it's, the, the alligator gar are really long, and they have kind of like, basically like a ham on an animal that runs all the way down, so there's like long stakes on each side. And their their scales are like armor, so what they do is they cut down the back. But you can't just cut down the back because you're trying. You're basically cutting through armor. So one guy had like a machete and was like chopping <laughs> a line down the back. Dang. I've seen people use like like uh, shears and like cut with shears down the back. But you're doing Dang. a straight line down the back. I would not use your good knife to do that. Just some, and it's a pain. But straight line down the back, and then you cut down 
each side. And then basically what you do is you cut the scales away from the meat and then you cut the meat away from the body, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's actually really easy and straightforward. It's just difficult to get that initial straight line cut down the back. Um, and you guys on that video can see how it's done. It's it's really easy other than that other than that cut. But, I mean, these were big, big steaks. Big and then um, I took all the meat back here. I cut off all the undesirable pieces, and then I vacuum sealed everything. Oh, okay. Um, and, you know... I, uh, the, some say it's not good meat freezing. Um, I froze some because I have a lot and I, the stuff we ate today was fresh. It, it had just been refrigerated since, since that trip. It was good. So, yeah. Um, I'd eat them again. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So we made gar balls today, which is kind of like a hush puppy or like a boudin ball. We took the meat. And added potatoes and a bunch of other like vegetables and stuff. Put them into a ball, breaded them, and then fried them. Yeah, they're good. And they were they were really good uh, with tartar sauce and with ketchup. Oh yeah, ketchup, ketchup's better. Yeah, it's definitely ketchup was good. better. But I am gonna throw out. I made homemade tartar sauce, and I will say that that stuff was the bomb. It was good. I just think. With, with what, the garbals. What you had, yeah, you it need would, that sweetness to kind of cut through. Yeah, you know what I think would be even better, though, thinking about it? Hot sauce. Cane sauce. Um, ooh. Cane sauce <laughs> might be good, too. But I do think, like, you do the spicy ketchup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or Chick-fil-A sauce. Nah. Yeah. No. Not Chick-fil-A. Now that I, I think feel like you'd it. get the same, uh, just not enough sweetness yeah. cutting through. It'd just be, like, more salt and I'd salt. do cane sauce, though. I would try yeah. it with canes. Oh yeah, I, that would be probably be, probably be great. Yeah, but let's be honest, you can eat cane sauce by a spoonful and it's still great. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, put that broccoli, anything. Mm-hmm. Man, it was a fun trip, and it was a different type of fishing for me. I, you know, I basically almost only do fly fishing. I don't even really conventional fish that much, much less bow fish. I catch and release like ninety nine point nine percent of the time. The only other fish I've kept in the last couple of years have been white bass. And, uh, but man, we had a good time. It was a fun group. And, yeah, man. Sounds fun. It was cool. Do you guys have any questions about the trip? Maybe that, maybe a question that the listener would want to know. How many guys were you with? The, it, we, we took two boats and there were four people on each boat. And that's kind of the max they'll do for bow fishing. What, so what kind of, we on John boats or can you talk a little bit about that? So one of the guys boats, these, these were outfitted for like night fishing too. So they had like the big LEDs on the front, but one guy had like a, like, I guess it was kind of like a John boat with like, um, an elevated floor on the front with an elevated floor on the front. And there were lights all the way around the boat. Cause these guys do a lot of night fishing with the bow fishing. We did a day trip because uh, the weather that night was supposed to be really bad and windy, which was going to be really rough um, out on the lake. So we they moved it to a day trip. But a lot of times they do night trips for the gar fishing. Um, the other boat that we were in was just like a big aluminum boat. And he had actually, that was its maiden voyage, the guide that we had taken out. That was his maiden voyage. And uh, same thing, like elevated front deck. Lights all around, even though we never use the lights, um, which is a big, a big elevated front deck, so you could see really well. If you think about like sight fishing, like 
fly yeah, fishing. Like the a, higher it's you like a are, casting platform. yeah, it's like a casting. The higher you are, the better visibility you have in the water. So it's kind of the same idea. I'd fly fish off the deck too. I mean, shoot, it was they were they were nice boats, and it was a good time. Cool. Um. I do it again. We should go out and try to do it. I'd be down. I want to. Yeah. I want to do some boat fishing. Yeah. Try something different. Get out of the fly fishing bubble a little bit. Break okay. out. I mean, the biggest thing is just getting out there. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've been like fly fishing only for a long time. And now that I've been it for so long, I've been wanting to try other things. And I don't know if it's because I've done so many different things on the fly. There's still things I want to do, but like trying new experience. I think that's what it is. Just trying fun. new things. Yeah. I'm also appreciating more as I've been getting into hunting a lot more because I've kind of been out of hunting for the past couple of years. You know, sourcing your own food and like cooking, you know, what you catch has been really fun. And like I had a great time. Like we made a video um, of cooking the garballs today that we'll post to YouTube. And like that, it's like really cool to go catch something, and then and then cook it. So on that topic, uh, I got to introduce this past weekend wild game to someone, or really a few people who never would have eaten eaten it, and actually tended to turn their nose up at it when I told them what it was. Mm-hmm. But total ended up saying, "Just try it," and uh, so one is my brother's friend he's a he's originally from china and uh he came with us on this vacation and um i made some dove poppers mm-hmm. off of what i did some that i had left over from last year and he actually ate all of them and there's there like made like 24 <laughs> of them and everyone tried a few, but then he actually chose to eat it the last night there as, like, his meal instead of going out and getting seafood one more time. Oh, nice. He said he wanted the Dove Poppers. Um, also used some venison chorizo one, one morning. No one can turn venison chorizo away. That stuff is so good. Yeah, but if you've never had A, chorizo, and B, venison... <laughs> Then to mix it together mm-hmm. and just do like a sausage, which I didn't cook it. I got my, my uncle did a lot of the cooking. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and he had never used like ground, like wild ground before. So he actually took it out of the, the packaging, the vacuum seal package and everything mm-hmm. and patted it out. So like you would do a normal sausage patty and it was still really good. Mm. Um, yeah, man, venison chorizo is probably one of my favorite. But I had a pork tenderloin off of the hog that I shot. and Did you get good? sick this time? No, I didn't eat it this time. I sent it back with my with uh, my brother's friend. Oh, okay. Just poisoning him? No, because I've had it no, again I know. since then. <laughs> We're just messing with you. But he was, like, all about it and, like, super interested in, like, so how much of your meat is, like you've gotten and all this other stuff or like your friends or how much of it's wild. And I was like, I'm sitting at roughly about 75% of my meat intake is wild game. Yeah. Some form or fashion, either gotten from my friends or gotten from me. And, uh, 
he was all interested in that and like trying to learn the process. And then I was like, we might have another hunter on our hands. <laughs> That's awesome. Is he going to come with us, Clark? Huh? Or no, I guess he lives in Georgia. So, but yeah, the, he he lives in Georgia. But um, it, it I mean it was kind of a joke. I don't think that he's really. I don't know. He might start hunting. He was super interested in it, but yeah, I, I like when you can introduce people to like. But me. even my eighty-two-year-old grandmother mm-hmm. ate the dove poppers and liked them. Yeah, well, McKenna liked the garballs, and well, she's gluten-free, so it's hard. But I made sure to make them gluten-free, right? And they were great. I mean, did you guys have any? Quir- I mean, quarrels? No, well, the, the it could have used a little more gluten. <laughs> a little, a little <laughs> bit more gluten. Um, but yeah, they were good. Well, anyway, guys, that's going to wrap it up for Unmatch the Hatch. How many episodes are we at now? Is it six? six? Episode six. Did you guys think we'd make it to six? Yes. Yeah. That You took a long time to answer. <laughs> nah. <laughs> no, no. For, yeah. We no, still have like three listeners. There you go. So, yeah, regular listener audience of three. I don't know how we're going to get ten written reviews with an audience of three, but. And it'll work. We'll get it over time. Well, anyway, guys, we will. We don't know what the topic is next week, but we'll figure it out. Uh, in the meantime, go hunting, go fishing, and unmatch we'll, the hatch. And unmatch the hatch. <laughs>